It's August 31st, 1946, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. It was on this day that Foghorn Leghorn, that oversized, anthropomorphized cartoon rooster from the Warner Brothers stable, made his first appearance. And the animated short that he was starring in was called Walkie Talkie Hawkey. And it's full of that Warner Brothers kind of invention and weirdness and loads of quintessential Warner Brothers casual cruelty of people like smashing things over each other's heads and so on. People, Arian. Chickens. <laughs> True. Yeah. N- non-people. So it's all okay. <laughs> I don't think there's any people in it. It's interesting, isn't it, that you do, even as a child, you understand that these are people really. True. Yeah. Well, I suppose they're speaking English and they're walking on their hind legs. and they're. <laughs> yeah, it's an easy mistake to make. And it has in it as well, Barnyard Dog, a.k.a. George P. Dog, who is like long uh, Foghorn Leghorn's nemesis. He's pretty much in every Foghorn Leghorn film, but you just can't remember for the life of you who this character is. It's Foghorn who takes the limelight. I'm enjoying this enthusiasm, but I said about you, Rebecca, but I'm not sure Aaron is justifying why this qualifies as a curious moment from history. I mean, I would go as far to call Falkhorn Leghorn a forgettable character. I know what you mean. I always felt that there was a slight cultural barrier and that we weren't really picking up on the full extent of Foghorn Leghorn's appeal. I think at the time, though, it, he was very popular because he was basically a takeoff of an extremely popular radio character. A lot of sources say that he was inspired by Senator Claghorn, who was a bombastic Southern senator who was on Fred Allen's radio show. The catchphrase of that character was, that's a joke, son. I say, that's a joke, son. Which is perilously close to <laughs> Falkhorn Leghorn's hilarious catchphrase. I say, I say, I say, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> If Falkhorn Leghorn was an actual human rather than a cartoon chickeny human, he would have been sued for, <laughs> for <laughs> well, copyright infringement. So here's the thing, is that mm. in Walkie Talkie Hawkey and in the following short, Falkhorn Leghorn does not have a name. He's not given a name because mm. they hadn't come up with one and it wasn't seen as particularly important that he have one. The character was created by Robert McKimson, and it was actually based off of a character from a radio program called Blue Monday Jamboree, which is even more obscure to modern audiences Hmm. than Fred Allen. But it was in between the release of the first short and the making of the third one, Fred Allen introduced this Senator Claghorn character, and the makers of the cartoon obviously thought, oh, that's actually pretty close to what we already have. We'll give him a parody name, and we'll rip off all of the Senator Claghorn catchphrases. Mm. I guess there's some kind of copyright thing where if it's a real person and your person's animated, you can just take their catchphrases? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. But then, of course, it became a, a sensation because, I mean, it's so weird that a parody has so far outlived its source in the popular imagination. Yes. But even for McKimson, who in interviews later, conflated the two characters and said that he'd been inspired by Claghorn, actually forgetting that he'd been inspired by this earlier character who was called the Sheriff, that even he had forgotten he was inspired by. (laughs) But the timeline doesn't match up, does it? They recorded the um, soundtrack for Walkie Talkie Hawkey on January the 13th, 1945, which was 10 months before the debut of Senator Claghorn on Fred Allen's show. Ah. I'm afraid your account just doesn't add up, Mr. McKimson. (laughs) The short film itself, though, is really nicely woven. It's a good sort of standalone cartoon. It starts out with Henry Hawk going out in search of uh, a chicken. He wants to catch and eat a chicken because he's a chicken hawk, but he doesn't actually know what a chicken is. And he encounters Foghorn Leghorn and, and Foghorn 
convinces him that he's a horse and, and actually that his dog rival, Barnyard Dog, is actually a chicken. And so Henry Hawk starts to torment uh, the dog on behalf of Foghorn. But it ends in this really weird way that has massive bring out the gimp Pulp Fiction <laughs> overtones where Henry Hawk ends up catching both the dog and Foghorn and a horse and ties them all up. And he's walking off saying, one of these things, I say one of these things has got to be a chicken. <laughs> You're like, that's dark, dude. Well, you know what? I don't know if it's the darkest. There was a 1960s short called Banty Raid, and already the title is a pun on Panty Raid, so it's already mm. gone into odd territory. That one mm. ends with Foghorn being dressed up forcibly in drag and married to a beatnik bantam. <laughs> well... There are 11 Warner Brothers cartoons that have been withdrawn from circulation since 1968 because of unpleasant racial overtones, mostly. Mostly against black people, caricatures, things like Goldilocks and the jiving bears. You can imagine what that's like. <laughs> you don't need um, to see any of these, do you? You don't the need to see The titles alone, exactly. you're like, okay, I can alone. see it. But none of Falcon Leghorn's oeuvre is included in those 11. Now, Bugs Bunny, for example, is in one of the shorts that's been withdrawn. And, you know, there's criticism of Speedy Gonzalez, for example, for being a kind of archetypal caricature Mexican. And he's not even in those 11 cartoons. And yet Foghorn Leghorn hasn't been cancelled yet. Are you saying that Foghorn Leghorn is problematic just because he's clearly a white southerner who hums Camtown races and calls people boy? <laughs> that is what I'm saying. I'm saying let's explore that for people who haven't perhaps thought about this as much as we have. Because I think the innocent viewing of it, you do say, well, it's a rural setting. I mean, yes, he's clearly a sort of antebellum southern gentleman, but he never does anything explicitly racist. Mm. You just sort of imply that if someone like that was a person, that they would hold racist views. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it's the boy thing, isn't it? So he goes around calling people boy, which again, I think for British people, just is something you, just, you may not be aware. But boy was a term that was used to address full-grown black men by those mm. kinds of white guys. And obviously in that circumstance was racist. And so the fact that he's calling other chickens boy, you can see why in the future it would make for uncomfortable viewing, couldn't you? Maybe we're not quite, cancel culture hasn't quite reached him yet, but it's coming for him, I feel. <laughs> well, it had to go through Pepe Le Pew first, who I think is by far the most problematic of the Warner Brothers characters. Although um, this did get me looking at, I started thinking about the origins of the Looney Tunes cartoons, and I discovered that Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies, which are basically one and the same thing. Well, Merry Melodies are the less funny ones with more music, mm. aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I remember that from being six. Like the type of cartoon. <laughs> yeah, come up and you're like, oh, oh no. Oh, well, that is actually the, what lies at the origin of both brands because they began life as a way to showcase Warner Brothers' extensive musical copyright library and promote sheet music sales. <laughs> Man, that quickly went awry, that plan, yeah. because, because actually they turned into the sort of dominant cartoon series that apparently Disney Studios and Warner Brothers Studios were both founded in the exact same year, 1923. And obviously Disney went on to be the kind of dominant player in the cartoon space early on with the sort of Mickey Mouse and Friends uh, gang. But by the 50s and 60s, really people were much more interested in the Warner Brothers characters than they were in the uh, Disney characters, probably because they actually had some character but when you say disney characters you're talking about the disney characters that are in the disney shorts you're not talking about yes, snow white sorry, and the exactly jungle book right. are you no so like you go to disney for your feature film animations warner never had a patch on them and i would go as far as they still doesn't but yeah for the shorts they had mel blank i actually think it's as simple as that they had chuck yeah. jones they had mel blank that's yeah. it they had yeah, two yeah. really talented people 
who were funny. So the original Looney Tunes animators left after a few years and then they brought in Chuck Jones and Tex Avery as directors and Mel Blanc as the kind of lead voice actor. So the first classic Looney Tunes character wasn't actually brought until 1935. That was Porky Pig, which isn't who I would have guessed mm. would have been the first classic character. No. Followed by Daffy Duck, who is my personal favourite, Elmer Fudd, Amazing. and then Bugs Bunny, I think was in 1940. All voiced by Mel Blanc. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? It is incredible. Although there can tend to be a little bit of overlap. I, you know, he's obviously a genius, but Yosemite Sam and uh, Foghorn Leghorn do start to blur <laughs> into each other every now and again. Well, apparently not only did he originate the voice, he performed it for 43 years. Mm. And apparently wow. at the peak of his, you know, professional busyness, he was performing on 18 radio shows in one week because, again, he wow. could just do all these voices. There's a story yeah. about him that you might have heard, which is he had a horrible car accident in 1961 and he was in a coma. And allegedly, this sounds like it's made up, but this is something that his son has said, so maybe is actually true. Apparently, one of the doctors got him out of the coma by asking him, how are you today, Bugs Bunny? And getting him to like respond with his like, catchphrases and stuff. And apparently that's what started bringing... I know, I'm looking at your face, Arian. <laughs> I can tell you think this is absolute nonsense. That's nonsense. It's, got, well, no, it's, it's brilliant. Something that is true, though, about that time is that when he was recuperating in bed, he actually voiced several episodes of the Flintstones where he was the voice of Barney mm. Rubble and they had to set up a microphone above his hospital bed and they brought the other actors oh, in to record there. So I want to go out <laughs> still doing my voices <laughs> as I come out of a coma. <laughs> Bring me a microphone. My audience is still waiting. <laughs> to be clear, I don't want anyone to think I'm conflating these stories. I'm not saying he was able to record his lines as Barney Rubble whilst still in the coma. <laughs> he wasn't that much of a genius. Tomorrow the reviewer was most disappointed to find it only lastead 70 hours on a single charge <laughs> love the show support the show patreon.com/retrospectors part of the acast creator network